Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, we're in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. As I made mention, this is our, our theme verse. This is the first that uh, every morning when we gather in here, uh, we do our, our pledges and uh, then we uh, recite uh, this uh, wonderful, and, and it, this, ver- this one verse is full, some full, uh, and so we're looking at two things in particular. First of all, we're looking at death to life, and then we're also going to see in this one verse uh, where we're going to see from darkness to light. And so this is what the word says. It says, and accordingly, as his divine power hath given unto us. So right off the bat, we see that we have been given divine power. I started thinking about power and uh, I don't know about uh, y'all, but uh, power tools has always been a uh, something that I've been interested in. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a man's thing or something, but my wife even likes power tools. And, uh, and uh, I just, I can't, I don't know how to use them because I can't see what I'm doing. So, uh, but I just like to go out there in the garage sometimes, just turn the thing on just to hear it. <laughs> you know, it just kind of gives me a thrill, you know. And, and so, uh, and, and I thought about other uh, uh, types of power and, uh, you know, we said uh, the power suggestion and we can go on and on and on about various things that we talk about with power. But here it says we don't have just any kind of power. We have divine power. And it's been given unto us. And notice it says all things. It didn't say that he's uh, given to us some of the things or... Um, Uh, partial things. He says, all things that pertain unto life and to godliness. So here's what the text is saying. He says, he has given us the divine power and this power has given to us so that all things that are pertaining to things that that bring life and godliness, we have. That's pretty good. He says he's pertained into life, into godliness. And now how do we achieve this? Through the knowledge of Him. Not the knowledge. Now now understand the the way it's written. I'm not going to break down the Greek or anything. We're not talking about just knowing Him. Knowing of Him. We're, We're talking about knowing Him. See, the only way you can get knowledge is by knowing Him. And that's where, and when we get his knowledge, then we understand the divine power that we have. And when we understand divine power, we realize that anything that pertains to life, we have. And anything pertaining to godliness, we have. Okay? And it says, and knowledge of, a knowledge of him that hath called us. He's placed a calling on our lives. Now, I get a lot of calls. 
Many of you get a lot of calls because I see you going down the road. Y'all don't think I'd see that well, but I see y'all going down the road and 95% of you, you got a phone stuck in your ear and you're driving, which by the way is illegal. You shouldn't be doing that. And now I can get away with it because I'm not driving, all right? Now, if you see me driving and a phone in my ear, you probably need to call law enforcement, okay? Because something bad is going to happen. <laughs> but he said he has placed a calling. Do you remember that first time that you heard him call you? Do you, do you remember that time when you heard his, him speak to you directly? That's the reason why we've been praying and we prayed this morning that we're uh, praying that these children and these teenagers that we have are listening to His calling. He wants to call some of them. He wants to call uh, them to come to know Him. And when they come to know Him, then they'll realize what they have in Him. The power that we have uh, and those things pertaining to life and to godliness. And so he says, the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So very quickly uh, this evening, we're going to look, first of all, we're going to look at these uh, texts. And it talks about that we've come from death to life. See, in order to have life, you must have experienced death. Now, what are you talking about? Well, uh, uh, here he's talking about uh, the death that we were in. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, the Bible, and and, and, and I'm not going to repeat all of it, but it, it talks about that he has quickened us. There in verse number 1, he said, he has quickened us, which means that he's brought to life. For in order you to be brought to life, you had to come from death, right? And so, why, why, what do you mean I was dead? The Bible goes on and tells us there in Ephesians that we were dead in our sin and our trespasses. Spiritually speaking, we were dead. Dead. Now, uh, if I, and I know I've used this illustration before. Uh, Brother Glenn and I uh, just recently, uh, I've done, uh, you know, a, a couple of funerals. Now it's like bam, bam, right uh, next to each one another. And, and we understand that uh, you only do a funeral for dead people. I know this is really deep stuff tonight. I, I know y'all can't take it all in because of this wealth of information that I'm giving you. Y'all, need, y'all are tired. Y'all need to lighten up a little bit. And so you don't have a funeral for somebody that's alive. You have a funeral for someone that has died. And how do we know that they have died? Because they cannot respond to any stimuli. You could holler at them. You could go and shake them. They're not going to respond. Why? Because they were dead. Spiritually speaking, many of us heard the gospel but, and we heard about Bible stories, but that's all it was to us, right? It, it, it was a, a preacher getting up there talking about this Jesus and oh, we heard the stories about Noah's Ark and, and the other parables we heard, but they were all stories to us. They really didn't affect us spiritually. Why? Because we were dead. We couldn't respond. Why? Because dead people cannot respond to things that bring life. 
And so he goes and says that at one time we were dead, dead in our trespasses. It goes on in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. It talks about and that we were walking in the flesh. And so who was in control of us? Our flesh was in control of us. And we were, uh, that was our master. And uh, we were dead people, uh, spiritually speaking. But then he goes on and says here that he has given us divine power. What is that divine power he's talking about? He's talking about that the Holy Spirit came knocking on your heart's door. The Holy Spirit started to bring you under conviction. See, that was the power of God working on you because there was no other way you would recognize the fact that you were dead and you needed a new life in Jesus Christ. You didn't come up with that on your own. Why? Because you were dead. You can't come up with things that are alive when you're dead. But here, the Holy Spirit started to woo you and the power of God started to, uh, to bring you under conviction. Then you realized one day that you were in need of a Savior. You realized that you were dead in your sin and you needed new life in Jesus Christ. And it goes on and tells us that He did that, that Jesus, when He gives us life, He gives us everything essential to life at that time. See, we need to understand tonight that this divine power that has been given to us, first of all, it came in the form of the Holy Spirit bringing us under conviction. Uh, many of us have been, a, uh, been witnessing to someone. And don't you get frustrated when you're witnessing to someone and you're giving them the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're looking at you and they say, I just really don't know, or they kind of blow it off and whatnot. And you're saying, I don't understand why they're not paying attention. I don't understand why they're not responding. We have to understand that they're dead. They're dead. And unless the Holy Spirit is working in them and on them, they're not going to respond. And that was the same for you and for me. We didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I need to get saved. Now, if you happen to wake up one day and say, you know, I need to get saved, if the only reason that you were able to do that is because the convicting power of the Holy Spirit working on you. And I've already talked about the fact last Sunday that uh, sometimes uh, we're kind of uh, skittish and we don't want to camp out, if you will, on talking about the Spirit-filled life or, or about the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be associated with those who have misused that interpretation of what a Spirit-filled life is. And so we don't do preaching. And no wonder many of our people are, 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 um, don't understand the power of the Holy Spirit working on you to bring you under conviction. Many times, I'll say it again, if the worst once, and this thing just fell off. <laughs> Brother Gail, it's your fault. Do this right. Are you saying Gail didn't do it right? No. Oh, okay. I'm saying you knocked it off. Oh, okay. So it's my fault. I didn't say that. Okay, okay. Mar Marty's running for political office. <laughs> I didn't say that. Didn't say that. 
And, and, and so here, what I understand is, outside of the Holy Spirit bringing you conviction, there was no way possible for you to come to realize that you were lost and in need of a Savior. Impossible. Why? Because it takes divine power to bring death, to bring someone who's died to life. Okay? Now, with that mindset, uh, we also need to look at John chapter 11, verse number 44. In John chapter 11, 44, you all know the story. Our children uh, uh, were able to uh, be taught uh, this. It's about Lazarus. Remember, Lazarus was dead. Dead. As my granddaddy would say, he's four o'clock dead. I mean, he is dead. He's dead for four days. And, and of course, we all know the story. Everybody was upset. Why didn't you come when you needed to come? And Jesus shows up. And it seems like Jesus is kind of nonchalant about this thing. Oh, Jesus, why don't you even care? Uh, he's been dead. Why took you so long? Well, we need to understand Jesus is always on time, all right? And so he, he, he comes, and of course, he brings Lazarus. He resurrects Lazarus. He was dead, and now he's alive. Then he goes on and tells them, he says, Loose him from his grave clothes and let him go. And we need to understand uh, tonight is that many people and many of our boys and girls uh, are trapped in their grave clothes. They can't explain it. They, they don't understand when you talk about all that. But they've been trapped in their grave clothes. They're trapped in clothing that represents death. They've been bound by sin. Sin will destroy you. Sin will eventually kill you. Death will occur if you continue to live in sin. And so they're bound. Lazarus was bound in his grave clothes. But the Lord Jesus just spoke the word and he was loose and they let him go I don't know about you tonight but aren't you glad that he give, listen he gave us divine power divine power that we that were dead now can come to have newness in life and that we have not really started living until we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior but we see more in the text here he says that he's given us all things everything pertaining to life he's given us that means force that means power uh, and everything that needs uh, that is needed to bring life we have at our disposal. Everything we need pertaining to life we have at our disposal. In Colossians chapter uh, number two, verse number ten, it says this: It says that we are complete in. Him. We're complete in Him. Now what does that mean? That means we don't need anything else. It said that He's given us everything. All the essentials to bring life, we have. All the essentials of living a godly life, we have. Everything that we need, He has given us. It says that we are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a story that I came across. It's about a little boy. And this little boy, uh, with the help of his dad, built this little sailboat. 
And uh, they, they worked on it for quite some time. And finally they uh, completed uh, building this little sailboat. The little boy wanted to go to the nearest lake and he wanted to uh, put it in the water and sail it. Well, he had a long string attached to it and it had the sails and they were up and a little breeze was blowing that day. And it took that little sailboat and it started to kind of drift that little boat out into the lake where the little boy was just thrilled about that. And he kept on saying, that's my boat, I made it. Oh, that's my boat, I made it. And as that little sailboat was catching that little breeze coming, that little boy was so excited, he kept on saying, that's my boat, I made it. Well, then uh, the boat gets a little further out. He was still hanging on to the string, but uh, there was a, a sudden uh, burst of wind and it took that little sailboat and just uh, very quickly just took it on out. Uh, and the force of that, it broke that string. The boy now was holding a string that was not attached to the boat. He was devastated. And he started crying to his daddy. He says, that's my boat. I made it. Now it's going to be gone. And he was watching it and it finally went out of sight. Well, some weeks later, he's in town and he goes by this little uh, shop and he, he saw something that caught his eye. A little sailboat was in this display window. So the little boy ran up and he started looking at it. He said, and he says, that's my boat, that's my boat. So he goes into the, uh, uh, to the store and he tells the, uh, the shopkeeper, he says, I believe that's my boat that you have in your window. And the man says, well, you know, somebody brought it in a couple weeks ago and uh, they wanted to sell it and I, I bought it and uh, it's on display now. And he says, well, he says, well, if you want to look at it a little closer, he says, you go right ahead. A little boy gets out and he, and he uh, takes it in his hands and he's looking. He sees some uh, things that were very distinguished about his little boat. He his little sailboat, and he says, Mister, he says, Mister, this is my boat. This is my boat that I made. And shopkeeper says, Well, I'm sorry, son, but you're going to have to buy that boat back. You're going to have to buy it. I'm, I'm not going to give you the boat. You're going to have to buy it. So the little boy runs home. He's just devastated. And so he goes up to his room and he gets into his piggy bank and he starts counting the money. The man told him how much it was going to cost to buy that little boat. He had exactly enough. So the next day he runs down there and the sailboat's there and he says, Mister, he says, I've come to buy my boat. And they said, well, do you have the money? And he counted his money out. And he says, okay, the boat's yours. And so here that little boy grabs that little boat and as he's walking down the street, he says, oh, uh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine twice. He said, not only have I bought it, but now I've also made it. That story reminds me, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He made us what we are physically. All life comes from the Lord Jesus. He is the giver of life. That's an attribute. That's His nature. He brings life. Everything that God touches brings life. 
And when He touches you, He brings life. And so not only has He made you physically, but He also has made you to where you've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did He make you, but He also bought you. He bought you with His blood. I'm telling you uh, that we have everything we need because when we are complete, we are complete indeed. We're complete. We are complete not because of who we are, and I've said it many times over, we're complete because of whose we are, the Lord Jesus. And so we have life and we have all that we need pertaining to life. But also notice, we see that not only do we see death unto life, but we also see darkness into light. He says godliness. What is godliness? Godliness is living Christ-like. Very simple. Living Christ-like. He says here that you have everything you need. Remember, he says, all things have been given unto you that are pertaining to life and godliness. What does that mean? It means that we should be living holy lives. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, it says here that He has called us out of darkness into light. Aren't you glad that you were once in darkness, but now you have seen the light? Uh, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a number of things. First of all, if we have come out of the darkness... Oh, we know. The first thing that we'll say was, yeah, there's darkness all around us. Would you agree tonight that we live in a dark world? Would you agree tonight that even in our community, there's darkness? And if you don't believe that, you ought to go and talk to any of our law enforcement agencies, and they'll take you to some places where there's darkness. Matter of fact, they're not too far from this church. Darkness. Uh, we've already seen, and I've already talked to some children that are coming out of dark situations. Some of them can't even tell you uh, where their daddy is tonight. There are some that will tell you horror stories of what they've seen and what they've witnessed. Now, I don't want to get graphic. Now, I'm not trying to uh, point any fingers, but we've already witnessed a, a mom bringing a child in from all evidence. I'm not judging here. I'm just, from all evidence, she was probably on meth. How do we know that? Because of some of the physical signs that we witnessed the twitching. I'm telling you, there's darkness all around us. And that's the reason why we need to be the light. And He's given us everything we need to be the light. And how do we become light? By living holy lives. And so, what are you, what are you, now we can go ahead and we can point the fingers and we can blame a lot of people and say, yeah, there's darkness, there's darkness. But may I remind you, we also have our dark sides. I, I said, you do understand we have our dark sides. Yeah. It's been said that uh, many people are like the moon. 
It has its dark side, but they do everything they can to hide it from others. We got a dark side. The, the, the problem is our heart. It's deceitful. See, I said, well, what a minute, brother mine. I'm saved. I'm saved. I've been delivered from all that. Understand. But we still have that old man in us that wants to rise up. That's the dark side. Now, I'm not talking Star Wars here. I'm talking about, spiritually speaking, we all have a dark side. And how do we know we have a dark side? Because we're not living holy lives. We don't talk a whole lot about living holy lives anymore. Matter of fact, many of churches have just totally gotten away from that. Because we don't want to upset anybody. And we don't want to preach about sin. I'm telling you, you think I'm kidding. And Brother Glenn has alluded to it many times over. I've been in churches, and I know of churches, that you will not hear a clear gospel presentation. You hear about His love, and He is love. You hear about how He wants to prosper you, and He does. But you'll never hear about sin, and you'll never hear about darkness, and you'll never hear about how you're not right with God because we don't want to offend anybody. We want to make everybody feel good. I'm just telling you the fact. The Bible is quite clear. We are to be a holy, peculiar, set-apart people. And when we are living godly lives, our light will shine. As I was thinking about the light, I came across uh, the, uh, this. Uh, <clears throat> it was uh, Jonathan Edwards that said this. Jonathan Edwards said that I have, uh, I have resolved to the fact that I do not want to do anything that would bring shame into my Lord. And I especially want to live my life as if it was going to be my last hour on earth. That's a pretty good way to live your life. He didn't want to live anything that would bring shame to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if I were to ask you tonight, is there something in your life tonight that if you knew if you knew, guaranteed, I mean, no bones about it, if you knew the Lord Jesus was going to come back in the next five minutes, would there be anything that would bring you down to this altar that you want to repent of and confess of and make things right because you want to be sure that when you see Jesus, you see Him like He would want you to see? Would you change anything? Would you pray about something? Well, I guess I would. Well, what... Why do we not do it? Because my dear friend, he could very well be coming at any time. Is there something in your life that you say, oh man, I need to repent of that. I, I said something today I shouldn't have said. I, I thought about something I shouldn't have thought about. I, I, I had an opportunity to, to, to witness somebody, but I, I just kind of blew it off. I was too much in a hurry my dear friend, how are you going to let your light shine if you're not living a holy life in a world that's dark? 
He has given us all things. All things pertaining to life and to godliness. I was thinking about light. And I thought about if we could turn these lights out and we'd be in darkness. All we would have to do is light of one small candle and it would illuminate the whole room. Just one small little light in a, in a room of darkness, it would illuminate the room. Now here's our challenge tonight. I can't worry about what you're doing and what, what you're not doing. But I sure can take care of what Mike's doing. And if Mike's little light is shining, that's all I'm responsible for. And if Mike let his light shine, he can illuminate a whole room of darkness. Can you imagine what we could do if all of our lights are shining in this dark community in which we live for the cause of Jesus Christ? Do you understand tonight that no matter how insignificant you think you are, you have an influence on people's lives. I found this story. It's a true story. This story is about a, a little boy named Teddy. Teddy was a little slow. His teacher uh, understood that he, had, he was a little slow, but uh, she would write her reports and when he was in the first grade, she wrote a report like, you know, Teddy is very friendly, uh, but he's just a little slow. He's not developing like he ought to. She had them all to the next uh, grade, uh, second grade. And the little note that she read, he said, you know, Teddy is, uh, he's well-mannered, he's very respectful, but Teddy's just a little slow. Third grade, fourth grade, we, we can go on through grade school. One day, uh, they were fixing to uh, go and break for Christmas. And all the children there brought gifts. And they were supposed to brought gifts. And Teddy understood he was supposed to bring a present for his teacher. So he shows up and uh, all the kids bring the little gifts to the teacher. And she's unwrapping them. Some were very uh, nicely wrapped. And she had some very nice uh, gifts. And uh, she was thanking the children. And then she came across... The gift that Teddy brought. Teddy's was, you could tell, didn't have any adult supervision on his. He just kind of wrapped it and had scotch tape here, there, and everything. It was a mess. But she understood and uh, she unwrapped it. And, and that little wrapped paper that was disarrayed, she found a little bracelet. This little bracelet, about half of the Little pearls, and they were all fake pearls, were missing. Uh, you tell, like, maybe he just found it in a trash can somewhere, but then there was another little present. It was some very cheap perfume. So there was Teddy. He was very proud of his little gift, and oh, she made a big to do about it, but in her heart, she's saying, I don't know why I expected any more from Teddy. After he left, he, he said, turns back and he says, uh, calls her by his name and he says, 
would you do me a favor? And she says, well, yes, Teddy, what would you want me to do? She said, would you put that bracelet on? And she said, well, yes. She puts it on. He says, that reminds me so much of my mama. And she's, he said, now, would you put a little bit of that perfume on? And she says, yes, Teddy. And she puts it on her wrist, and he went and smelled it. He says, you smell just like my mama. And he went home. It broke her heart. She got down on her knees and she asked God to forgive her. She didn't take the time she should with little Teddy. She kind of wrote Teddy off. And she got broken hearted about that. And so uh, she went and she said, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to help Teddy. I know he's a little slow. And so she had him for a couple more grades and he's starting to make some improvement and then he goes to another school because he was now in junior high, middle school. Some, uh, a couple years later, he gets a, a little note. And Teddy said, uh, calls her by her name, and he says, uh, just wanted you to know I'm fixing to graduate junior high and I'm going to go to high school. I'm doing much better with my grades and I want to let you know that I love you and thank you for all you've done for me. Well, a few years more pass on, and she gets another card. And it was from Teddy, and Teddy said, calls her by her name, he said, I'm graduating from high school, and I just wanted you to know I'm second in my class. So she was, of course, that tugged at her heart. A few more years pass, she gets another note for him. He said, uh, this is Teddy. I just want you to know I'm graduating from college now and I'm graduating first in my class. She was thrilled about that and he said, thank you. Told her that he loved her. During the course of time though, he also wrote in his little notes that his mom had, of course, gone on. And now his, as he goes into college, fin finishing college, his dad has now passed away. He has no more family left. Four years. He's now graduating from medical school. Sends her a note. Says, just want you to know, I'm graduating from medical school and I'm also getting married and I would like for you to attend my wedding and I would like for you to sit where my mom would sit if she was here. Now what's, of course she was grateful for that. He goes on to be a doctor. Now what's the point of this story? This teacher was broken over that she was not investing more in this little boy who everybody else had written off. And she spent some little extra time in other words, she let her light shine in this little boy's life, Teddy. And because of her influence, it changed him for the rest of his life. Amen. My dear friends, Amen. we have been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have been given everything we need that pertains to life and to godliness. And the Bible says we are to be light and we're light because the light of the Lord Jesus is in us. 
And it only takes one of us. You are very significant. Just let your light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you get to heaven one day, you're going to be surprised at how many people you influenced because you let your light shine for Jesus.